Okay, I'm gonna read this real quick. Can y'all hear me? Is that good? Is that close enough? We all good? All right, right on. So, I'm gonna start by reading this. Um, I have the Bible app on my phone, and um, uh, my favorite number is 11. My baseball number in high school was 11. So at 11:11 is when the uh, verse of the day took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord, John 12, 13. I read that because I hadn't planned on reading any verses today. Since we're in church, I better read something from the Bible. So there you go. Bible app come through. Right on. All right. Um, Eric Pittman, everybody, most everybody in the world knows me as Bubba. Uh, if you don't, you can now. Um, I am 37. I have lived in Atoka my whole life. Well, Atoka County. I've lived in Atoka, Tushka, Stringtown, Daisy. Um, but the house I'm at now, the, the, the land I'm on now, I grew up my whole childhood life uh, about two miles from that spot. So I've pretty much lived my whole life in the same spot. You know, traveled just a little bit, not much, not near as much as I want to. But... Um, at 18 years old, 19, 19 years old, I married Rachel. Uh, she was 18. Uh, she graduated in May, June, we were married. So the next July, we had Ashley. So things happened really quick, you know. So uh, I've, told the, I've told the youth, I've helped last year and this year, and um, both years I've had the high school boys, and I've told them I started really fast. I don't regret it at all, but there's no need to rush it, you know. Take your time, ease into stuff. No need in jumping out there that fast. But anyway, um, thank you for having me up here. Really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So uh, I thought you were when you asked me to help with youth, but now that I'm up here with spotlights on me, now I know we're in trouble. So next, next Sunday we're going to have Michael up here or something. Who knows what's going to happen? It's like we're going downhill fast, people. Uh, so, there was some, um, Rachel is the more godly of our family. Everybody that knows us knows that. She grew up McGee Valley Baptist Church. Her grandpa, whenever I become to, uh, come to know her grandpa, it was, he was one of the greatest men I've ever met. And by his leadership, she is very knowledgeable in faith and the Bible and church and all that. So... For me to be in this situation is really kind of weird, awkward. Um, I have wanted to step up into more of a leadership role uh, at other churches that I've been to, but um, I was never asked. You know, so being involved in this church has really helped me personally more than I think anybody else knows. So appreciate that. So uh, a little bit of discussion has went out. I call this part of my story. Rachel calls it my testimony. I'm not really feel like I'm testifying to anything. I'm telling y'all my story. So take it as you want. I hope you get something from it. Um, maybe I won't be too blunt. Um, maybe y'all won't ask me to help your youth anymore after today. I don't know. So it's going to get weird. Here we go, people. All right. I had a very good childhood. My life has been great. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm alive. I have no regrets. So I wanted to start this saying I had a great, I've had a great life from July 29, 1980 until today. It's been great. So that being said, my teenage years were a little rocky. So here we go. I have one older brother. His name is Brad. A few of y'all might know him, Bradley, actually, but everybody calls him Brad. Uh, back in 1980, I was born at Atoka Memorial Hospital. Um, and I survived. So um, um, back then, in the 80s, you had to stay a night or two in the hospital after having a baby. These days, what, you're home the next day, like that evening. You know, you're going to have supper at home. It's great. But so after the first day or two that I was born, my brother asked Dad, when's Bubba coming home? And I've been Bubba ever since. So uh, most people in and around Atoka know me as Eric. Professionally, most people know me as Eric. Everybody around Stringtown and all my family just knows me as Bubba. So, 
Um, I, whenever, my, my childhood was great. You know, I, I was happy. Um, Mom and Dad didn't have money, but we made the best out of what we had. I had a house. I had food. I was thick little kid, so I obviously had a lot of food. I was great. You know, it was awesome. Um, the, uh, we went camping a lot. Um, hung out at the house, you know. I, I used imagination. I, I built stuff. I did things. So my childhood was great. Now, whenever I got to, let's see, I was about 12, and my brother was 14, okay? This is when stuff turned left for me. So I was about 12. My brother was 14. Last day of school, his eighth grade year at Atoka Middle School, the old high school up on the hill, okay? Last day of school, you do nothing. You show up, you flirt with girls, you have fun, and you go home. That is it. Well, my brother and about three of his friends decided they're going to skip school the last day of school. They, got, they went to school, started the day, everything was good. Sometime mid-morning, they leave, and they go to a, uh, one of the friends' house. And they get into that friend's parents' liquor cabinet. Okay? So instead of being normal southeastern Oklahoma youth and sampling it and having fun and giggling about it for a year, they drank a lot of it, especially my brother. Um, my brother didn't know when to stop a lot of times. So, and he pretty much started that day. So he got drunk as a 14-year-old kid. And kids not being the smartest, instead of staying there, and handling the consequences later the evening, they all went back to school. They helped my brother walk all the way back to school. So he stumbles into school and he's getting stupid and he had a little girlfriend who happened to be the daughter of the chief of police at the time. So he had been in an off and on little trouble, you know, just a normal boy stuff, but this really pushed it over the edge. The police were called. A wrestling match happened in the middle of the hallway. He hauled to the emergency room. I showed up shortly after his stomach was getting pumped, and that was my first go-round with anything like that. Now, most people around here know natives do have alcohol issues, so I had grown up with family members. I've seen drunk people, and I've dealt with it, and, but it was never in my face. Um, but I knew kind of what it was. Well, this really brought it to me. It was like, here you go. Here's a crash course on alcohol. So at 12 years old, I didn't know how to process it. It was just, it was something that happened. So went on, brother ended up getting, he had to go to um, juvenile counselor over that one. Um, and that was pretty much it, you know. Last day of school, so it was like, you know, you're all right. We're not going to really do anything. We're going to make you go see a counselor. See you next year. No, hold on. Wait, sorry. Atoka kicked him out of school. Said, we will not see you next year. So where's the next best place closest to Atoka? Let's go to Stringtown. So he goes to Stringtown. All kinds of craziness happened at Stringtown. So my brother really turned left and went, he went wild. He went crazy. He went headfirst into alcohol and drugs, and all kinds of stuff. Well, back then, I don't know if it's this way now, I will not say it is, but um, my brother was two years older than me, so his, the legacy he was building was very close to me. So whenever I showed up to school my seventh grade year and eighth grade year, I wasn't Bubba or Eric, I was Brad's little brother. So that's when it started for me. All my troubles started going downhill then because I was Brad's little brother. I wasn't myself from that point on. Uh, for, well, even, to, even these days, it, I, there are certain people I can't have a conversation with without them saying, you remind me of your brother or you look like your brother or how's your brother doing? It's, it, from, from a very early age, probably my freshman year. Anything and everything I did had to do with my brother too. 
It's like I carried my brother. He was the monkey on my back all the time. So, and it really started for me the summer of um, between my eighth grade and ninth grade year. I, um, because I was labeled as little Brad, uh, my parents came to me and said, if you want to transfer, you can. It's your choice. You want to go somewhere else? Let's go. So I said, I want to go to Tushka. The next day, my dad went to Tushka, and Tushka's superintendent says, we're not accepting any transfers. We're only accepting people moving into our district. So I'm sorry, can't have him. So he comes home, tells me, next best thing, I said, I'll go to Stringtown, which worked out great. I have an amazing wife, two beautiful kids because of it, but that brother on my back was multiplied by 100 once I stepped into Stringtown because my brother had already been at Stringtown. He had already done more stupid stuff. He had, already, he had already made his name at Stringtown. So whenever I showed up at Stringtown, I, again, I was not Bubba. I was Brad's little brother. That's how everybody knew me. So I, I tried really hard to overcome that. But for the most part, he stayed chill and you know, he was getting into trouble and, you know, but I just thought, okay, this is normal. No big deal. The day I knew things were not normal was um, the old Thompson's Theater was still showing movies. We went to that, me and him one night. Well, dad dropped us off. I went in to watch the movie because I actually wanted to watch the movie. Brother left. He went inside, looked out the door. Dad was gone. He left. That's le I, I don't know. He showed back up when they were picking us up from the movie. And um, he was drunk. So, uh, like, you know, this is whatever. You know, at this time, I'm 14, he's about 16. Um, we go home, mom and dad are getting on to him. There's a big argument, big fight, you know, and I'm trying everything I can to ignore it. And so, um, I had a girlfriend, <laughs> lady friend, um, she called me, and landline, you know, on an old rotary phone that had a 20-foot long cord, you know, and I'm leaning up against the wall talking to her on the phone, trying everything I can. I'm, every time I would say something, I would cover the phone because I didn't want her to know what was going on in the back. You know, my brother's screaming, yelling, mom and dad's in an argument with him. It's not good. So he went outside. I thought everything was done and cool, and I'm still on the phone with her, and I hear him come through the door. He's yelling and screaming, and I'm about to get off the phone with her. And before I can, he rips the phone off the wall, throws it across the room, and throws me through the wall. That's when stuff got real for me. So I was 14, 14-year-old 14 freshman, whenever I went through my mom and dad's kitchen wall. And that is when everything changed for me. Okay, so from that point on, um, right now, I am 37. Brother just turned 40 in December. From the, his last day of school, his eighth grade year, until today, he has either been on probation, in jail, in prison, in rehab, or doing some type of paper time. That is probation, parole, deferred, suspended sentence, something like that. So, starting... Well, I, mine really started when I was 12, but really about the time I was 14, I have been inside courtrooms, juvenile detention centers, rehabs. I have been shook down at prisons. Uh, I, I was shoved into it, and that was my life. So my whole teenage years was watching mom and dad cry and watching mom and dad pay for cars that brother had stolen and wrecked. And he tried to, there used to be a, um, let's see, where's it at now, right where the donut shop is, Daylight Donuts now, there was a used car lot there for about a year or so. Um, he tried to steal a car out of that. Was unsuccessful. But in the attempt, he kicked the back windshield through, all right, so they had to pay for stitches and an emergency room visit on his leg. He got hauled to jail over that one and had to pay for the damage on the car. You know, just little stuff like this. And as a teenage boy who I loved baseball and I loved baseball. Baseball was, my, was everything to me. I loved it. Um, I wished I'd have went somewhere playing it. But 
that was my whole world, friends and baseball and basketball. It was real easy for me to get selfish. And instead of really thinking about what mom and dad are going through and what brother's going through, I'm sitting over here thinking, you know, why don't I get a new glove this year? Because mom and dad's paying for court fees and uh, emergency room visits and, you know, insurance. Because he's over here being stupid. And I'm using a glove that's four years old, you know. Why don't I get new cleats this year? Because brother's being stupid. You know, why can't I go hang out with my friends? Because I don't have a car because brother wrecked it. You know, all this stuff, I really, now, now that I'm over it, now that I've got past it, I was really selfish. You know, that's how I feel it. Because I would, um, why not me? You know, when's it my turn? When am I going to get the attention? When, when am I going to be the center of it? You know, when is mom and dad going to show up to a basketball or a baseball game and not have to worry about what brother's doing outside? You know, that's, that was my thoughts as a teenager. Now, he, um, he's, he's a lot better now, I will say that. Um, he's a good dude um, in his own way. Um, because of things that have happened between me and him, I would say we don't have a relationship at all. Um, we will see each other. He Usually, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we'll see each other barely speak at all in the same room for hours and barely speak. I will say, without a doubt, I know for a fact that is 100% on me. That is my choice. If I went to him today and loaded him up and said, hey, let's go fishing, he would jump in the truck and be happy to go. And he would talk the whole time and not shut up. But I'm not there. That's still some of the, uh, that's still some of my demons that I'm working out. Because I've seen a lot of stuff. I went through a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I told the youth, this was the analogy I used with them whenever I told this. And I, and I told it in a little bit different way to them, but it's basically the same story. But um, I, I figured out real fast how to become really good at painting a clown face on. Okay? So I would get up and I would go to school and I did everything I could to be the life of the party. I was loud. I was obnoxious. I got on every teacher's nerves. I, I did every stupid thing. I got in my own trouble. I wasn't an angel. I did normal teenage stupid stuff. But it was, you know, I tried to be the funny, the funny one. I tried to have as many friends as I could. Now, looking back, I probably had one really true good friend. You know, and it was like I was, I was counterfeit. I was fake. I tried everything I could to keep everybody else out of my life. I showed them what I wanted them to see. I didn't show them who I was at all, ever. Rachel didn't know for years. We started dating when she was a freshman. Started dating when Rachel was a freshman, and she probably didn't know anything about all of this until she was a senior or shortly after. I was really good at hiding everything about me. Nobody knew. And I was, part of it was I was embarrassed, yeah. Well, a lot of it was I was embarrassed. But I just didn't want to explain it. And I was trying so hard to overcome all the being Brad's little brother. I was trying to be who I was. But in trying to cover up all of that, I was covering up who I really was because all of that, all of my brother and my mom and dad, my whole home life was everything to do with who I was. But I was trying to overcome all that because I was embarrassed and I didn't like it. So I would go to school and I would be the life of the party. And then whenever I was on my way home from school, I would start slowing down. And by the time I got home, I was quiet and I would go to my room and listen to music and I wouldn't do anything. I made no waves in the pond because I didn't want to upset mom and dad. There was a few, you know, I did, did my share of stupid, but I wanted to be the quiet one. You know, they had enough trouble. They had enough noise. They had enough to deal with without me causing them anything else. So I did everything I could to take care of myself. So that was, uh, 
pretty much how I lived for years. I was just quiet until I got into a crowd, and then I would try as hard as I could to be the life of the party. But to me, how it felt to me was fill this room as full as you can with people and have everybody be as quiet as you are now and sit me in the middle of it and have me scream and yell at the top of my lungs and not one person in the room hear me. That's what I felt. I felt like nobody heard me. I couldn't be heard at home because they were too worried about my brother. I couldn't be heard at school because I wasn't telling anybody who I really was. So I was alone, a teenager all by myself. A lot of things happened and a lot of things went through my mind. I had a around junior year of high school, a short stint with an eating disorder. Um, I thought I was getting fat, so I stopped eating. And when I did eat, I would make myself throw up. Didn't last real long, about the time. I don't do discomfort too well. That's why this whole shoulder surgery is killing me. I'm not patient. So about the time I started getting the whole sore throat and acid reflux constantly, it's like, okay, I've got to stop that. You know, lost a little bit of weight. It, it didn't go anywhere. But it was my pathetic excuse of trading one problem for another. You know, so I stopped that. Um, this, the, um, my junior year was about the time I really started acting up and getting crazy. I pierced my ear, had crazy hair, you know. Um, I was everything most conservative Stringtown residents hated. I was that dude, you know, and I loved it. You know, it was, that was my attention. You know, whenever you walk into a crowd of old conservative folks and you've got an earring and they're talking about you, you're getting attention. And that was my yell. That was my cry for attention. And I got it. I got a lot of it. So um, I learned how to build walls. To this day, right now, today, while I'm talking to you, I have trust issues with almost everybody I come in contact with. I got used to being hurt by everybody I loved, so I built walls, and I stopped letting people in, and I still have issues with that today. Um, it is really very, probably one of the most difficult things for me to do is to make friends because it's hard for me to trust people. It's like somebody is always out for something. And if they're not out for something, then something's going to happen between us and it's going to end bad. That's something that I'm dealing with. And that's, that's, part of, that's part of the backlash of the years of everything that I dealt with and how I dealt with it. I dealt with it as alone as anybody could. Nobody knew. Like I said, it took Rachel four years before she knew anything. None of my friends at school knew. They knew my brother was crazy. You know, whenever you'd look through the court records and see he's gotten arrested again, yeah, everybody knew, but they didn't know what was going on at home at all. So nobody knew. I covered it up. It was, it was a secret. I let nobody in. I went to church every Wednesday and every Sunday with my family. We were Church of Christ. I was raised conservative Church of Christ. No instruments on here. And, you know, you don't eat at the church. It's, you know, you, if, if the preacher is up front, he is reading the Bible half of the sermon. You know, that's what I was raised. I know Bible. I can't quote you scripture, and I can't just throw out from memory, you know, verses. But I know the Bible. None of my friends knew that. None of them knew I even went to church. I would know. And my mom and dad would tell me, you know, you can have anybody over all you want, but if they're here Wednesday or Sunday, they're going to church with us. So I didn't invite people over for Wednesdays and Sundays. If somebody come over to my house on Friday night, they were gone by Saturday night. Well, you got to go. Because I didn't want anybody to know that. You know, that was, that was how I dealt with it. So when I grew up, well, I'm still growing up. So um, that's Rachel. So once I graduated high school and started working and started, everything calmed down. You know, every, my circle that was already small got even smaller. Then th there for a while, the only people in my circle was, was Rachel. And then when the girls come along, it was the girls. 
You know, that, that's all it was. Yeah, I tried to have friends, and I tried to go out there. I've went fishing with guys and hunting, done all this stuff, but it, it just, I still, I had those walls built. And it was like, you know, I can't let anybody in. No matter what, whenever things start going really good and I'm really having fun and everything's great and it's like this is comfortable, then I stop hanging out with them. Just quit. It's like they'd holler at me. It's like, hey, we're going fishing this weekend. Let's go. I can't this weekend. Kids got something going on. You know, hey, let's go hunting. Nah, I can't. Got this going on at work. I have volunteered. At Ethan Allen, I volunteered for overtime so I could get out of fishing trips. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I was like, wow, you know, now that I'm thinking about it and stuff, it's like, you know, it was hard. But I still have a long ways to go, but I matured a lot. And my own personal faith grew. And I, I let a lot of stuff go. And that's... It felt my relationship with God and my faith and the grace that I've been shown, I've made mistakes. I've made as many mistakes as anybody else. And I'm, I was holding on to the mistakes that other people made against me or what I thought was against me. And I'm no better than anybody else. God shows me grace just like he showed them grace. We all have the same opportunities through God. And once I started realizing that and started letting stuff go and realized I'm not letting it go for them, I'm letting it go for me so I'm healthier, so I'm better, and I can raise my girls better, then it started to become easier for me. And it, it, I had a problem with it feeling it felt a little selfish you know, especially in conservative Church of Christ, you're, you're raised to think about everyone else before yourself. But if we're no good, we're no good for anybody else. You have to take care of yourself. Self-preservation, I tell my girls all the time, self-preservation. I've told the youth, you have to take care of yourself. If you're not full, if, if your tank's on empty, then you can't, you're no good for anybody else. So once I started realizing that, I started becoming better. And, and I do. I still have a long ways to go. <laughs> Ask Rachel. <laughs> I have a long way to go. But I have come so far because of my relationship with God. Because of the forgiveness that I've been given and the grace I've been given. And it's like, you know, everything that happened to me whenever I was growing up wasn't that wasn't personal towards me. That was them fighting through whatever they needed to fight through, and I was an innocent bystander that happened to get pain on them. That was all it was. That wasn't, none of that was towards me. Yeah, I might have some scars from it. I might have some memories from it, but that had nothing to do with me at all. And it took me 20 years to figure that little statement out. That was not my fault. That had nothing to do with me. I need to let it go. So, I have let it go, but because of the things I've went through and because of the things I'm still going through, I still struggle with the walls that I've built with people and the, and, and the distance I keep between me and new people. There's no telling the friendships that I've wasted because of the distance I keep with people. You know, that's what I've, I have to live with. But it's... I can forgive people now. I've learned that through all of this. I've, I've really learned how to forgive people. The forgetting is what I'm still working on. The walls that I built and the memories I still have still keeps people at arm's length from me. And that's what I'm still working on personally. Um, I've, I've had people, um, I've had brothers I've had jealousy issue uh, because I watch people. I, 
I'll say this one. Uh, I've had brothers come into my gym that have worked out with me in classes, taking classes forever, and they'll come in two, three brothers at a time, and they're laughing and joking and making fun of each other, and there's a competitiveness. If this one lifts 200 pounds, then this one's got to lift 205. You know, they're going back and forth, and they're laughing, and they're having fun, and when they leave, they're going to have breakfast together. I've never had that. So I've got to work over my jealousy issues because these cats who are living their life the best that they can, I'm jealous of it because of what I've been through. So yes, I know I have a lot to work on. I don't deny that. But I've come a long way because, and I know it's because of God and the grace that he's shown me and me maturing enough to be able to see that. So that's just a little bit of my story. It took 37 years to write the book, and it's not done written yet. So next time we have, what time is it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I do not ever ask for sympathy. We all need prayer, so pray away. You know, if, if I happen to hop into your mind, pray for me. I'll never ask anyone for it. That's just not my style. But... Um, I've come a long way, and I am grateful to be where I'm at today. Um, we came to this church by accident. Uh, we stayed on purpose, and I'm glad we have. So thank you. Amen. All right. Um, there at the last few minutes while he was talking, I was thinking uh, everyone, I've said this before, um, everyone has something. Struggle has, I mean, as, since the fall from the garden, struggle has been present here. And as long as we're in this flesh, it's going to be. And these next few songs that we're going to sing, um, Christ came so that struggle would not have to end the way a lot, of, a lot of times we think it has to. He took away death for us if we accept the grace that he's given us. So this Palm Sunday um, is a reminder, calendar reminder to us that uh, Christ spent a lot, a lot of time and had his own struggle preparing for the sacrifice he was going to make on our behalf. And we know the sweat and the tears that he spent in the garden the night before um, getting his flesh ready for the pain that it was about to encounter on our behalf. Like Bubba said, nothing that he had done. This is all stuff going on around him. But because of his love for us, he came out of a perfect place to live in this world with us. It's, not, it's far from perfect. Um, so that we, he could die on our behalf so that we could have perfection in him and be present with him for eternity. So as we sing these next few songs, let that be um, your heart. Understanding how great God's love is for us and how powerful the cross was for us so that we could have redemption through his blood only. And that's why we're all here today. So as we sing. So mm -hmm.
praise and pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only
His final breath upon the Christ is now alive in me. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. By your Spirit I've arise from the ashes of defeat. Your resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me in your name i come alive to declare your victory the resurrected king is resurrecting me by your spirit i will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our god has robbed the grave our god has robbed the grave your name your name is Christ our King, your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King, your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Lord, thank you for your resurrection. God, thank you that you conquered death on our behalf. God, so we could live free from it. God, let us realize the freedom that comes in that. God, let us live our lives in that freedom for you. God, let us be light and salt in this world so they can see your love and see your grace through us. And God, let us not be hesitant to show people to you first, God, other than, other than any of our own opinions or only the things that we think are true or right. God, let us put everything in you and your word. And God, let that be enough. God, because it's more than enough. God, thank you for the testimony that we heard this morning, God, and your resurrecting work in that. God, thank you for 
this body, God, to be attentive and to hear your, your, you speak this morning, God, to hear your word. God, spoken through testimony of a person, God. Every one of us has a story. God, and until we realize you in it, God, we, we've missed it. We missed the whole point. God, thank you for your love that you continuously pour out on us, God, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of what we've done. God, all you want is a relationship with us. God, let us understand that. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, one thing I did not announce earlier next week is Easter. I think everyone knows that. Uh, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for anyone that wants to participate that. Um, it doesn't have to be kids. Shamar, you can hunt eggs too. Um, as soon as service is over, we're going to go to the um, lot across the street over here, just like we did last year, and have an Easter egg hunt. So you guys come ready. Mark Eaton is preaching next week, um, and I'm sure it will be Easterish. So come out and hear that. Look forward to seeing you. Have a good week.